Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to yet another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. With me this week, just Matt Price. Ryan, uh, Matt, we always say they're on assignment, right? Ryan's on assignment. He's not with us. So without our fearless leader, we're going to trudge on and talk about some reactions to week four, we'll continue our transaction theme, talk about one player from every game, and how dynasty owners should react to that player going forward. First, though, Matt, how was your fantasy weekend? Uh, you know, man, strikes and gutters, ups and downs. It, it, was, it, was, it was a good week. It was a bad week. All those in between for us with, you know, 15-plus dynasty leagues. Yeah, yeah. For all of us, I'm sure. Hopefully you all out there had a good week. Uh, We are recording this week on Monday night. We'll be back to that Sunday night thing moving forward starting again in week five. But Matt, let's talk about these games. We're going to start with the Thursday night ball game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Packers. Green Bay fell to Philadelphia in that game, and a lot of that was because of Jordan Howard really came out of the dynasty graveyard 15 carries 87 yards two touchdowns on the ground also caught three of four targets for 28 yards and a third score i don't think there's a dynasty owner out there right now matt that isn't looking to sell this guy miles sanders once again only 11 touches for him but i would say he was more impressive in the game he looked better than jordan howard howard was the one Getting a bulk of the workload, though, his 18 touches outweighed Miles Sanders. Sanders did not have a target in the passing game. This is obviously going to be Jordan Howard's best game of the year, Matt. If we can capitalize, we should. But what can we get in Dynasty Leagues for Jordan Howard right now? I just don't know. I mean, it's a great game, but I'm not sure if you know smart Dynasty owners are going to be jumping to buy him based off of this performance. I would say if you could get any second round pick, like literally any second round pick, take it, maybe even two thirds uh, at this point. You're right. Sanders was uh, by far the better player then. There was such a bigger game for him. But when when it was time for the running back to, to get the call, the number called, it was Jordan Howard in this game. In fact, Dan, I think the most depressing part of the entire Packers season will be the fact that Jordan Howard got a receiving touchdown on us. <laughs> Touche, good point for sure. I was embarrassed as well. Uh, the Packers defense should too. Um, it, you know, the one takeaway I have when it comes to Howard, first of all, it feels like Howard is more of a redraft sell than he is a dynasty just because the long term value doesn't appear to be there. However, if nothing else on Thursday night, it felt to me like Howard grabbed a stranglehold of the goal line job in a good offense. And that that does give a player some kind of value. Like you said, even if he got two-thirds, if you got a young player that has third-round value, something like that that you're excited about and think could be worth a second-rounder or maybe even a first-round pick someday down the line, I think I make that move. I'm, I'm really looking for anything of value out of Jordan Howard, particularly if I don't have a spot where I think I'm going to need him at some point this year. I do, however, feel like he has short-term value because of that goal line role. It really felt to me like he grabbed hold of that job in Philadelphia, at least for the next few weeks. Uh, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans, Matt. We're going back to the well on this one, right? <laughs> we sure are. We're going back to Kiki Hutie. Uh, only one out of three, one, one catch on three targets, 11 yards. He got a rush for 11, for uh, 10 yards there too. Uh, but really, I think the most interesting thing, part, part of Kiki Hutie buying 
this week is the fact that Stills went out with a hamstring injury. He's had injuries like that in the past that have kind of kind of cropped up and, and, and held him out for a little while. And if it does linger, then I think that opens up things a little bit for QD as that wide receiver three for them behind Hopkins and Fuller, obviously. Uh, and the fact that this passing offense has been down the last two weeks as well, you know, Watson hasn't been playing the best. And, you know, DeAndre Hopkins threw an interception. That's how bad things are for the Houston offense, right? now so uh, I just think that the the public opinion right now is a little bit down on this offense and if we can capitalize a little bit on that plus the stills injury then uh and buy Q- Kiki Cutie for cheap uh which which you can do right now he went he went for uh Chris Thompson straight up he went for Raheem Mostert and uh Marquise Goodwin and he went for Manny Sanders and I think on, on most teams I'd be willing to to make that flip for all three of those kinds of deals yeah, the Manuel Sanders one, it's dependent, of course, if you're if you're rebuilding or if you're going for it. Sanders is a useful piece for sure. But if you're looking for something long-term, Cutie is a guy that I'm targeting as well. It's starting to get to the point, Matt, for me, that it feels like QT's moving in a lot of leagues. It seems like the guy that wants him the most usually has him because there there seems to be a owner in every single league that that is a kiki cutie fan and has made it happen to get that guy on his roster so it's getting a little bit more difficult um in the leagues where i do not have him and am interested in adding him he, he's already on a team where, where that guy's or, or owner i should say uh is is waiting for that breakout but you're right it could be right around the corner let's go to the tennessee titans and the atlanta falcons i had this game matt and the titans first of all the titans beating the falcons by two touchdowns in atlanta was a surprise and you know really speaks to the fact that first of all the titans defense isn't all that bad and secondly that falcons offensive line is awful they cannot protect matt ryan those of us that own Kelvin Ridley and and Julio Jones and uh, and and really any playmaker on that Atlanta offense are shaking our heads because we feel like Brian just doesn't have the time to push the ball down the field. Now that worked out great for Austin Hooper, who was just just targeted over and over and over again. But it, it's maddening to be a a owner of of Ridley, especially for me. Uh, Julio Jones owners as well. He had a down game. Um, But with all that said, I am going to talk about a Tennessee Titan in Superflex leagues. I'm going to call Marcus Mariota the sell. He was 18 of 27, 227 yards, three touchdowns and no picks, three rushes for 22 yards on the ground as well. Really good start to the season, Matt. If you look at the stats, seven touchdowns, no picks. But there's been whispers of a switch at quarterback in Tennessee I personally, and I think all three of us on the podcast, have agreed that that Marcus Mariota is a bottom third of the league starting quarterback. There's really no guarantee that he's going to be the starter in Tennessee in 2020, so we don't know where he's going to be. Um, He's mixed two good games, weeks one and four, with two really awful games in week two and three. He's got Buffalo, Denver, and the Chargers over the next three weeks. If I'm in a super flex and I have Marcus Mariota and, and one of these other owners that have lost some quarterbacks to injury or poor performance, including Mitchell Trubisky this past week. I'm targeting those owners and offering up Mariota for whatever I can get. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mariota, Matt? And are, are you willing to move him in the Superflex League? Do you think we can get anything for him? Yeah, I'm taking any first I can get You know, off of the this, these two performances. He's kind of bookended two good performances with two so-so performances or, or bad performances, honestly. Against Indianapolis, 154 yards and one touchdown. Against Jacksonville, 300 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's been safe with the ball, but that's kind of always been Mariota's thing. He's just he's just not going to be somebody who's going to be a difference maker for us. Uh, so if we can go ahead and get a first-round pick for that, I think that's a, a good strategy right now, especially with those tougher matchups coming up and the fact that we've already seen him struggle more against the, the two worst defenses that he has played so far this year and, and kind of uh, feasted on those two that were a little bit better for defenses. So with these three teams coming up uh, on the schedule, I think we could see another value dip for him. So I, I, I like the strategy of go ahead and get him out now if you can. 
Yeah, it's going to be difficult because so many Mariota uh, apologists have fallen off the bandwagon over the last couple of seasons. Uh, it seemed like the, that bandwagon was full for a long time, and you don't hear as much chirping, at least on Twitter and in the leagues that I play in, of these guys that are are big Marcus Mariota supporters. So I, I don't know if there's as many owners in your leagues that are willing to take him on and, and plug him into your starting lineup. So if I'm a Mariota uh, owner, I'm, I'm certainly going to try. I'm going to test the waters, see what I can get. If I can get that first-round pick, I'm doing that. If I can get a player that I think has some upside or, or first-round value, I'm going to do that. Uh, no matter the position, really. Obviously, we always look to replace a quarterback with a quarterback. In Mariota's case, I think I'd venture out into the other positions, uh, even if it if it makes that depth a little bit worse on your on your roster by losing Mariota and adding a running back or or wide receiver, I'd certainly do it because the, there's so many red flags with Mariota. We don't know where he's going to be, what kind of position he's going to be in a year from now. So, Hold on, I got a question for you: Mar- Mariota or Minshew? Oh my goodness. That, it's ridiculous that we even have to <laughs> question this. So right? I wrote about Gardner Minshew the second in uh, the Rookie Report card this week. And I'm trying to sell him for a first right now. And we just said we're trying to sell Mariota for a first. That That's a tough decision for sure. It seems to be that most Dynasty owners would probably say they're going to take the upside of Minshew. But maybe that's 50-50. Yeah. Is there any chance that A.J. Brown saves Marcus Mariota? It could. You know, I... I wanted to talk about Brown because he has certainly looked good in spurts. He's not even played 50% of the snaps in a game yet. That seems ridiculous because that guy looks like a man among boys. There are times when when he caught the touchdown in the corner of the end zone, he looked like a monster on the field compared to the corner that was covering him. Uh, Dan, he looks so much bigger than he did in college, doesn't he? I mean, he looks like DK out there on the NFL field. It's crazy. Like, I don't know what happened to him over the one off season, but he looks so much bigger, so much stronger. Whatever it was, it was good for Dynasty owners because he's got a bright, bright future. And if he can get out from whatever has been the cloud over that Tennessee offense over the last few years, maybe it's Mariota, maybe it's the coaching staff, maybe it's something else. But if he can, and maybe he's the spark plug, as you suggest, that will take him over the top. Uh, I man, I have high, high hopes for AJ Brown, and I wish I had him in more leagues. That's for sure. Let's talk about the Chargers and the Dolphins. Pretty much, you know, picking on the Dolphins isn't a lot of fun. We, we, it's, it's so easy to do. Uh, it's the, it's the, it's, it's certainly the pick of the week or, or the the easy survivor pick every week is just to go against the Dolphins. So we'll stay out of Miami. We'll stay away from that. Matt, you had this game, and you chose Austin Eckler to talk about, and I think it's an excellent topic, um, both because of Melvin Gordon returning and Austin Eckler like might as well have been waving goodbye to his fantasy owners with that huge performance against the Dolphins in Week 4. But there's a lot of us, there are a lot of fantasy owners, dynasty owners that are thinking maybe Austin Eckler holds this value going into week five and beyond, even with Melvin Gordon returning. What are your thoughts on Eckler's value, both in the short and long term? Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring him up, because honestly, I'm not 100% sure what to do with him. He still feels like a, a sell based on the fact that Gordon is coming back. But, you know, people are smart, especially dynasty owners. They're they're not going to know that Gordon is back. Maybe in your redraft league, someone hasn't heard yet that uh, that Melvin Gordon is, was actually active for this game as an emergency backup. Uh, so you have to think it's a hit for his value, but how much, you know? I think he's still going to be startable each week, maybe uh, not quite as much. I think we're definitely going to want to start him. Uh, uh, next week, even with Gordon back to see what happens there uh, and then kind of gauge what's going to what's going to go on from there. So I think the move here is if you can get a first round pick, a late first round pick, uh, probably then go ahead and sell. But if not, then I'm probably going to hold and see what happens, you know, because we don't we don't know what's going to happen with Gordon. He ha- we haven't seen him practice. 
We have all these this history of, of players that have held out for a long time and come back and just aren't conditioned right, and they pull a hamstring right away uh, or, or something like that. So uh, that that's kind of where I am at on him. I don't want to really sell low, so to speak, on Eckler, but if I can still get that late first, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, otherwise, I think I'm holding, Dan. This feels like a cop-out, but I, I don't think I'm willing to sell for a, for like a second right now, are you? A single second at least? No, I'm not selling him for a second because I, I think you you really gave a good outlook of the short term with Eckler there, Matt. For this week, we're starting him. We're going to see how it goes with Gordon. But, but really, the long-term ramifications of all the news that we've received over the last week or two from Gordon returning to the comments about for sure being out of Los Angeles next year for Gordon. Well, Austin Eckler hasn't said anything of the like. He he we're all expecting him to be back and if nothing else over the first month of the season, it appears to me and and it should to most dynasty owners who are in it for the long term that Austin Eckler is the leader in the clubhouse to be the guy in Los Angeles for the Chargers in that backfield in 2020. So selling low at this point doesn't appear to be the right move to me. So I guess that all adds up to me, whether you're in it for the short term and need the points now or in it to the lo- for the long term and are looking for 2020 and beyond, I think Austin Eckler is a guy you want on your team. Remember back to last year, Melvin Gordon, even when he was on the field, Austin Eckler was still at the very least a low-end flex play, a guy that you could stick in your lineup through the buy through the buys, through the injuries, and uh, you could at least count on a handful of targets um, scattered with a few carries per game. Maybe he falls in the end zone and he saves your week at the position. I think that's the floor. We still can anticipate that. Now, many dynasty owners and fantasy owners may point to Gordon's contract and the short-term deal that he has with the Chargers and say, they're going to run him into the ground. They're going to use him, use him, use him, and abuse him, and he'll be gone. They don't have to worry about the the long-term uh, effects of overusing their tailback. Even if they do that, the the workload will, will wear down on Gordon, who has missed games over time, and Eckler will get that job again at some point. Austin Eckler will be a useful piece in 2019, and I really think beyond that. The only thing I would add is that they could easily just franchise you know, Gordon and, and, and not again, not ruin everything for Eckler, but ruin him as, as kind of this lead back that we've seen the first four weeks of the season. Oh, that'd be awful. I, you know, I, and sure there's the chance that they draft another tailback in a, in a class that's rich with, with running backs a year from now, but either way, it feels like Eckler is a hold. I don't think that's a cop out. I don't think dynasty owners should be uh, concerned or worried about getting what they can right now. Uh, Austin Eckler is a guy you want on your dynasty roster. Let's talk about the Raiders and the Colts, Matt. Um, this game was a was a head scratcher, I guess, for most. I think a lot of people thought the Colts would defend their home turf, win this game, maybe handedly. I certainly did. Raiders went in, got that big lead, ended up winning 31 to 24. I had a hard time finding a player to really spotlight as far as our transaction theme goes, Uh, but settled in on Paris Campbell, five catches, 25 yards uh, on eight targets, did lose a fumble as well. So only five and a half points in a PPR league. I know most dynasty owners that picked Paris Campbell in the late first, early to mid second round of a rookie draft are looking towards the long term, but Campbell mixed in with Deion Kane. Uh, Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal as the T.Y. Hilton replacement on Sunday. He played 48 of 77 snaps. To give a little context to that, Kane played 56, Rogers 54, and Pascal had 53 snaps. So pretty snaps, excuse me, pretty even across the four players. But target-wise, of course, Campbell had his eight, Kane had five but didn't catch any of them. Rodgers had six targets, caught three for 48 and a touchdown, and Pascal had seven targets, caught four for 72. It was really even to me, Matt. Paris Campbell is the most talented among this group. There are going to be some that probably argue that Deion Kane is a very talented player and has some upside. 
as well. In this offense, considering the injuries at the position at wide receiver, it feels like Campbell is a guy that you want on your roster for both the short and long term. And to me, the cream is going to rise to the top here. Campbell, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't have one of these big games like we've had. We've seen some from some of these speedsters, uh, John Ross and, and Hollywood Brown, one of those type performances that take him over the top. We may be running out of time to buy Paris Campbell before he shows his ultimate upside here in 2019. Yeah, you know, Dan, Paris Campbell, he just doesn't look comfortable out in the field there right now. He's, he's thinking too much. He's, he's looking to run with the ball before he, he secures it. Uh, you know, on that fumble, it really wasn't that, that great. He got it punched out from behind. So he's just not really aware of all these things that a veteran NFL player needs to be aware of. And, and once that happens, once the game starts slowing down for him, then, like you said, I think he's going to have one of these monster games. It's not going to take much. I mean, Jacoby Brissett coming off that huge game, you know, uh, last week, we really thought the Colts were really set to roll. And, and Brissett didn't play terribly this this week either, but he wasn't quite as efficient in the past. Marlon Mack wasn't able to get anything going. And honestly, Oakland just played a lot better, uh, def- especially defensively, than we have seen in, in recent weeks. So uh, they came in and just seems like the Colts weren't prepared for that. So uh, I agree with the buy on Campbell. I'm still buying for that late first, early second round pick if I, if I have to spend that much for him. Still confident in him, still confident in this offense, especially with that coaching staff going forward. I, I just trust them, whether it's Brissett or somebody else at quarterback position, uh, you know, after 2019. Yeah, I, I certainly feel good about everything that you just said as well. Campbell certainly getting his feet wet in this offense. I think it will happen for him and it, and it could come as early as week five, depending on T.Y. Hilton's health. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Lions. Matt, it appeared that uh, on Johnson fumble at the goal line Cost the Lions the upset. They get beat 34-30, to 30, despite holding the MVP to no touchdown passes. Who do we want to talk about in this game? Yeah, carry on is a good topic of conversation just because he got a workload uh, above 20 carries, actually 26 carries again this week. So I think we can feel confident in his value, but he, he, has, he didn't really dip at all. Uh, prior to the last two weeks. So I don't know that he's necessarily a buy. I think it just makes you feel really good about the asset that you have. Uh, and, and I'm not really that interested in selling either. But the, the, the players that I want to talk about are the Kansas City backfield in general as a whole. Damian Williams still out with that hamstring injury, uh, probably due back soon. McCoy had a you know an okay game, 11 carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown. And you'll certainly take that as probably your running back two or, or flex play last week. But uh, I think it's just time to get out on all of these guys except for Darwin Thompson, unless you are, you know, sitting at, uh, I mean, maybe perhaps even if you're sitting at 4-0 or 3-1, and uh, just because I think once Damian Williams does come back, it's going to muck up this backfield for everybody. And we keep talking, we want pieces of this Kansas City offense. And I agree with you, but I just think it's time. Like McCoy has had several good games in a row, and if you're going to get anything for him and you don't need him for that stretch run, then I think it's time to get out on him. And Damian Williams, too, you know, I don't think you can sell him just yet because he hasn't really done anything for us this year. But as soon as he comes back and has one of those monster games that we know is going to happen at some point, he hits, you know, a 60 yard touchdown on one of these wheel routes that him and Mahomes have been connecting on uh, for the last really season and a half, or, or a half a season rather. Uh, so I think it's time to get out on every. Everybody except for Darwin Thompson and, and Darwin Thompson has not really been able to see the field uh, despite the injury to Damian Williams yet so I think he's maybe on the back end of, of dynasty owner minds so if you can go ahead and, and still grab him for if you have to pay a late second I guess I bet I bet you could probably do better and get him for like an early third at this point just because he's not in our in our mindset at the current time maybe the strategy for a dynasty owner or one of these backs is, is to find the other dynasty owner if you if you have Damian Williams and and you're looking around at, at all the rosters in your league and you see that shady owner that has been putting him in in the lineup, maybe you, maybe you float Williams now, maybe you do the opposite. If you're the shady owner to the Damian Williams owner, um, maybe there's a move to be made there. Hopefully there is. I'm with you, Matt. If I have one of these guys, maybe outside of Darwin, I am, I'm looking to move them for sure. Let's talk about the Redskins. And the Giants, uh, New York took care of business 24-3 to over the Redskins. It was a mess for Washington 
in this game, but we're going to avoid that one, Matt. Who do we want to talk about for the Giants? Last week, Dan, I believe you recommended buying Wayne Gallman, and I mean, I think we got like the absolute best possible ad. I think it was ad. Ad. What? Well, whatever it was, <laughs> add it. Whatever. And we. And if you started him this week, good. You know, it was against Washington, bad defense. Uh, and I think Gallman. I think we got everything we could possibly get out of Gallman, value-wise, uh, production-wise, rather, in one game against a bad defense. So he had 18 t- carries for 63 yards and a touchdown, and caught also caught six passes for 55 yards and another touchdown, which is you know a, a, a good game for uh, for I guess what we could call a replacement level running back, right? I think he ha- he does look better than he did last year for sure. It looks like he slimmed up a little bit uh, and, and looked good receiving the ball. However, uh, we know Barkley is going to come back at some point. You know, the, 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 the upper end of that range is eight weeks, but it seems like Bar- Barkley is going to want to come back earlier than that if he can, if they let him. Um, so if that's the case, then what we have to look forward for, to with Goldman in the next few weeks, we have the Vikings and the Patriots, both very difficult run defenses uh, so far this season. Then he gets a little bit of a break with the Cardinals three weeks from now, but then back to the Lions in week uh, four weeks from now. And by that time, we're going to have start – having Barkley in the conversation to come back. So uh, I just think it's going to be tough sledding for him going forward. So if you picked him up off the waiver wire or added him really cheaply from somebody, I, I got lucky and was able to sell him for a second before this week's, but I think that's probably still your target. If you can go out and get a second for Wayne Gallman right now, especially if you just picked him up off the waiver wire, I think that's a nice little profit for him and you probably got nice production for that one game. So that seems like a win-win to me. Yeah, it's a win-win, no doubt. I'm moving him for any second-round pick and, and maybe maybe even a transfer to another running back that hasn't gotten a chance just yet or, or has a little long-term upside. Gallman is nothing more than a handcuff, especially if the Giants are winning or continue to win and, and Jones continues to, to play well. Saquon's going to want to get back as soon as he can and, and he'll, be, he'll be getting 100% of that workload once again. I really like that, Dan. What if you can move him for Justice Hill, for example? Oh, yeah. That, that's a move I'm doing in a heartbeat. I, I love that. Very yeah. good. Uh, Seahawks. Cardinals. Um, man, that Cardinals can't quite get it figured out. I'm glad they got the tie that they got when they got it because it, it's not going well for that Cardinals defense in particular. The Seahawks seemed like they could do no wrong. But when it came to that Cardinals offense – That air raid offense is up and down the field. They want to run plays, and those that all means good things for these receivers in particular. Anybody really that's on the field. One guy that really sticks out to me this week is Christian Kirk. Just four catches for thirty-seven yards uh, and on five targets. I'm going to call him a buy. This might be a difficult one as well because. He is in the top six in the NFL in targets with 37 to this point, but he hasn't caught a touchdown just yet. Um, He has two nice games, but two really bad games as well with four catches uh, for less than 40 yards. Um, It's probably going to be difficult to talk the Christian Kirk owner into moving him at this point, but there was word in the Arizona... um, locker room after the game that that Kirk sustained a ankle injury maybe that helps get the move made um Kirk has a very bright future in a pass first offense with a good young quarterback and uh everything all the arrows are pointing up to me for Kirk Matt what are your thoughts on Christian Kirk and and trying to buy him at this point yeah, another one that I would like to buy for a late first if I can. Uh, clearly, this offense is is on the upswing, especially as Kyler Murray gets more comfortable. You know, Larry Fitzgerald seems to be the favorite right now, but that's you know you don't think it's going to last forever, but it could be. In fact, Larry Fitzgerald he passed uh, was it Tony Gonzalez for number two all time I think in receptions this week. So just Jerry Rice ahead of him. So I guess there's a chance Fitzgerald could could try to go for that record. Uh, but no, I I, th- I really do think that Kirk is a buy, especially coming off this kind of disappointing performance, although efficient performance, uh, and also the injury there. So you might be able to prime for his owner. I don't know. It, it does seem like people like him quite a bit, uh, but maybe you can talk him into like a late first. They might be willing to part with him. But otherwise, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to get him for, for that cheap. 
Yeah, I, you know, even even a late first seems light to me. I think more most likely, if I own Kirk, I'm going to be looking for more than that. Maybe a first and a second gets it done. Maybe it's a mid to you know mid to high first that that I'd have to get to move Kirk. Um, it, it's a tough buy for sure, but not quite as tough as the one you're about to try to sell us on, Matt. Cleveland and Baltimore. Um, this was another surprising game. I think a lot of people had Baltimore in this one, but if you're going to surprise anybody in your league trying to trade for anybody or making an offer, it might be for this guy, Matt. Yeah, let's let's give it a shot. I mean, we've had a couple of disappointing games in a row from OBJ. Let's let's be real. He had two catches for 20 yards uh, on seven targets uh, previous week, six for 56, and then of course in week two he had that that really big game with uh, six for 161 and a touchdown. But you know, uh, there's been he's been in the news lately of complaining about the Freddie Kitchens offense. Uh, there was, but, but, you know, uh, there's been some evidence, I think that he has a legit concern, you know, that offensive line clearly is not protecting Baker Mayfield. As soon as he gets back on that five-step drop, like the defense is in his face and they keep sending Odell on these long routes, uh, and he just doesn't have time to get on the ball. So, uh, you know, if, if, as this offense starts to come back to life, which I think it did this week against a tough defense in Baltimore, uh, you know, I think Odell is going to, going to bounce back. And this is like, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks with some of these higher profile guys, this kind of opens the door. Like it's now it's possible to get them. You know, once he was moved to move to Cleveland, everybody was super excited and me included. I had him up at wide receiver one overall for a while. Uh, but I think people have, have come down a little bit on that with just the way the offense is played in general. Um, so with this bounce back this week for the offense, but not for Odell, then, you know, I, I, th- I think he might be gettable. So just some examples, some deals that have come, come away, uh, over the last week or so to 2021st and a second for Odell. I'm still willing to do that. Uh, Diggs and Marquise Brown for OBJ. I'm happy to do that. Uh, Evans for OBJ and a 2021 second. So I think he's, he's, he's moved into the range where you can get him for that two and a half to three first range. And I still think he's that kind of player that we want to go and buy. Uh, just for this week alone, some of the metrics, you know, he, he, like I said, he didn't perform with only 20 yards on two catches, but he still did have 23% of the market share. And uh, just looking at air yards, 40% of the market share uh, uh, f- under that stat. So I think there's a lot of good reasons to, to think that we can go ahead and buy OBJ and he's going to bounce back, but also a lot of reasons that if you haven't and you've been starting him, that you might be, you know, at least open to the possibility of moving on from him. So uh, also the next two weeks, he gets to the Niners and Seahawks. So two passing offenses that I think he can take advantage of. Yeah, I like it. If I can get OBJ in any league, I'm going to try to do it. But if there is a window, it's probably right now. And if you're willing to pivot off one of those receivers that you mentioned there, you're, you may be likely to get something done. Uh, Evans is up right now. If you could, if you could do the switch there, I'd consider it for sure. Uh, the, you know, one that I saw in a league that I'm in, uh, at least offered or heard about offered, was a Devontae Adams who has the turf toe injury right now to go down to OBJ and get a draft pick. That seemed like one that was interesting at the very least. Um, I think you made a good point there, Matt. At the very least, the OBJ owner is willing to listen to offers. And if you're willing to offer enough, you might just pry him away. Matt, the Major League Baseball playoffs are upon us. In fact, they're starting tomorrow night. We are recording on Monday night. So I'm going to throw you a curveball. On our show sheet, I said O.J. Howard was the guy I wanted to talk to talk about. I'd love to talk to O.J. as well, but I'm going to talk about O.J. Howard. I'm not going to do that. I just realized we've talked enough about O.J. Howard and how he's a buy, despite catching three balls on for 33 yards and having four really disappointing games with five or less targets in each. Instead, I'm going to talk about Todd Gurley. And while many may think he's a sell because of his two touchdown game, uh, despite only averaging 3.2 yards per carry on five carries, I'm going to call him a buy because Todd Gurley was involved in the passing game. He caught seven passes on 11 targets for 54 yards, and his counterpart in the backfield, Malcolm Brown, got one target, and while he did get five carries, he only averaged 2.8 yards per carry, 14 yards on the ground. I think this Rams offense is about to focus and showcase Todd Gurley once again. 
He looked elite at the goal line. Once again, he broke tackles, ran through arm tackles, and fell forward into the end zone. That's the Todd Gurley that all of us love to have on our rosters. I think this was his preseason, these four weeks, and it might not be popular among fantasy owners, but I think Todd Gurley is going to end the season as a running back one, and not just because of the workload and the catches and all those things, because of the touchdowns. He is going to be the guy at the goal line. And he's going to have a big second, third, and fourth quarter to the season. I think there's a very good chance that Todd Gurley leads dynasty owners to championships once again. And week four was the start of that. Many dynasty owners might be looking at week four as an opportunity to sell after a big game, a big stat number, you know, the seven catches finally. I think that's a mistake. I'm not selling Gurley. I'm going to buy him if I can. Yeah, I mean... Where is Daryl Henderson? I mean, honestly, they they traded up to get at the guy. There was all this hype surrounding him. This game was fifty-five to forty. This is a high-scoring game, uh, and still nowhere to be seen. You know, no none of this relief for Gurley that we thought it was going to be. Even Malcolm Brown has kind of faded away in that regard. And this game got out of hand quickly. So you know, he only got five carries in the game, but you know. Th- it, he, he did more on those five carries than than any any other back had had done for that team uh, in, in that particular game. And like you said, involved with the pass in the passing offense with seven receptions. Uh, he and he looked better too. Like the the first three weeks, it kind of looked like Gurley was going through the motions. He kind of lost that kind of killer instinct that he's had. And, and this game, it looked like it was back. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to suffer for that in terms of what the the knee injury looks like. But if you can still buy him, I agree with you. I don't think it's time to sell off of this uh, off off of this performance. He was moved in a pigs league uh, earlier this week for uh, just just pennies, in my opinion. He was shout outs to our friend Dan Sanio. He gave up Dan, Devin Singletary and Michael Pittman a Debbie in a Debbie league for Todd Gurley. That seems like highway robbery to me, Dan. <laughs> oh, uh, Dan did really, Dan did really robbery. well for himself and, there. And even the biggest Singletary fan, uh, man, that's <laughs> that's just robbery. You can't right? sell for that. You can't sell Gurley for that. No. Uh, so good job, Dan Sanio, and getting Gurley on your on your team in there. Um, but yeah, so go out and try. And you know, if people are going to be motivated to sell based on this performance, then take advantage of that and go out and get them. But I guess I guess we need to drill down on a price here. Like, I don't really think I'm still giving like two first round picks for him. But I'd give a first and a second for sure if you can get that done, or a first and you know a, a, another running back that's maybe a tier below. I, I would I would still still happy to do that for for Todd Gurley. Yeah, I thought long and hard about this. Obviously, since I had another player in the in the show sheet and quickly switched over to Gurley, but I I have been thinking about his value, and I think it teeters right there. I, truly, if I am a contender and Gurley puts me over the top, I think I'm willing to give my next two first-round picks for Todd Gurley. Because it really feels to me like he could be on the verge of returning to that league winner status. And if that's the truth, you would gladly give up number 12 this year and a back back third of the draft type draft pick next year to, to win a title. And, and it feels like that's the opportunity we have as dynasty owners. Now, I've been wrong in the past, but it, it feels to me that way too many people are sleeping on Gurley. That window is still wide open to go get him. And if I can get him on a true contender, and it really puts me over the top, for, for instance, if I already have an elite running back one paired with a guy like Mark Ingram and, and getting Gurley would push Ingram into my flex or 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 down to my running back three, I guess. Man, that's a no-brainer to me. I'm, I'm trading my next two ones for, for Todd Gurley in that chance. Um, let's move on to a snore fest. Unless you really love defense and really love watching mediocre quarterback play, Matt. It was the Vikings and the Bears. We got to see Kirk Cousins check it down, constantly hand the ball off. It was boring. And then... Mitch Trubitsky, he goes down with an injury. What is there to talk about in this offense? Because it's certainly not those Vikings pass catchers or the the guy throwing them the ball. 
Yeah, there, there's there's not much here. I, I will I I put down just because every quarterback in Superflex has value. Go ahead and add Chase Daniels, unless you're in a very very deep league. I actually still have him on a roster in one deep best ball league for so, some reason somehow, uh, but he's probably on the waiver wire in most Superflex leagues. I would guess because Trubisky he was knocked out in the opening possession. Uh, looks like he has a left shoulder dislocation and maybe even a slight labrum tear and. He's not. He's he's probably not playing next week. It's not not clear if he's going to miss the entire season or how much time he is going to miss. But what is clear is that you know Chase Daniels against a tough defense in Minnesota, he played okay. A tough divisional uh, rival defense, uh, 195 yards. Uh, and, a, and a touchdown pass, no interception, very safe with the ball. He was able to get Allen Robinson going a, a little bit. Again, a very efficient day for him with seven for seven, seven catches on seven targets for 77 yards. A lot of sevens. Um, but uh, so I, I think he's going to be okay, at least for one more week against the Raiders in London. Although I guess we did just see the Raiders uh, kind of mess around with Brissett, but Brissett still had a nice fantasy game. So at least for one week, uh, as we go through these bye weeks, especially in these larger super flex leagues, I'm in some 14 teamers where it's always tough to get a quarterback. Maybe you get a spot start out of him next week. And then maybe we get news that Trubisky, they're going to just shut him down and you have a starter cut for the rest of the season. Now he's not, he's probably not. Gardner Minshew or any of these other quarterbacks that have taken over maybe he's maybe he's about equal to Kyle Allen uh something like that uh but again quarterback super flex leagues they're valuable go ahead and add them I don't think you can uh there's not too many better ads I would argue in a super flex league this week than Chase Channels as unexciting as he is and he's been with Nagy for for a couple of stop, stops now so he's, he's kind of going to be that extension of the quarterback extension of the coach kind of quarterback uh and he's been an efficient in in his career so uh, good ad, I think, this week. But, yeah, you're right. Nothing too exciting to talk about in this game. Maybe Diggs. I mean, Diggs woke up, sort of. Yeah, he woke up. But he's going to fall right back to sleep with Kirk Cousins throwing a ball. Man, I, I loved Adam Thielen's comments following the game on Sunday and, and how he talked about how, how that team needs to throw at some point. Uh, Adam, if you don't do it when you're down 16 to nothing to a great defense and you don't adjust, you better get used to it. The... That Vikings offense, if you're not invested in Delvin Cook, you're not invested in a part of that offense that you want to be. Let's move on to the Patriots and the Bills. Man, this was a competitive game. That Bills defense is legit. You don't want to start. If I could talk about anything in this game, it'd probably be that you don't want to start any of your guys against the Bills, they shut down the Patriots, made Brady look average, made that receiving core look below average, I would say. And they were all over the field. Of course, it didn't transfer to a win as the Patriots take out the Bills 16 to 10. If they're, you know, we talked about it last week, Dawson Knox for the Bills. He was a buy last week. I think I'm just going to highlight it quickly once again as the player that we should talk about. Three catches, 58 yards. He was quiet for most of this game as that Patriots defense is also quite impressive and did take him out for a lot of the game. But he caught all three of his targets. I think the window's still open to get him. The problem, Matt, is most likely it's going to cost you more than a third-round pick even after these couple of so-so games. Or, or impressive games even, I guess you could call them, with these three catches in each of the last two weeks. Are you willing to give up a couple of third-round picks for Dawson Knox? Yeah, I'd give up two-thirds pretty easily. I think I'd be ready to almost, almost ready to give up a late second at this point if I – you know, if I'm a team that's sitting there floating by this season with with Delaney Walker or something like that, where you know you're going to be needing something for the future, and you can't pry away one of these, you know, maybe slightly more exciting guys like Mark Andrews, who you probably can't get right now. Uh, maybe you can get Dallas Goddard still for you know an early second. Uh, you know, if you can get one of those guys, obviously that would be better. But if you're you're, you're poking around and, and there's just no bites, and you 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 know you're going to be a con- you know you're a contender this year, and you know your pick's going to fall. Uh, at the end of that second round, then I don't mind necessarily doing that for Knox. I think we're going to be looking at similar, you know, if you're looking for a tight end next year's draft, you're going to be looking for similar uh, kind of upside there. And Knox is already showing that he can do it. So why not? Late last week, I offered a pair of third rounders for Dawson Knox in a league where I was looking for that developmental tight end, got shot down. He responded with offering Knox up for my second 
and I passed. So I'm not quite there as well. Um, it is a contending roster expected to be a back half of the second round. But that, it feels like, I agree with you, Matt, that's a right around his value. If you're willing to take the plunge, I ter- certainly don't blame you. Uh, honestly, I was kind of hoping he was meant in week four so I could go back those two-thirds and get him. Uh, didn't quite happen for me in week four. Jacksonville Jaguars, Denver Broncos. Matt, who do we have to talk about here? I mean, we got to talk about Leonard Fournette. 29 carries, 225 yards, two receptions on three targets for 20 yards. Uh, Just kind of a ridiculous game, and Fournette has done this before, but he's also done this before and then immediately got hurt the next week. He's done this before and – uh, then the team just was just became bad, and they or they didn't use him, or they used somebody else. Uh, I just I don't know. I mean, I I I, fe- I know it's kind of cliche to say go ahead and sell him off of this big performance, but that's that's really what I want to do. This has kind of opened up a little bit of a sell window for him and, and, and an opportunity to get out if you if if you're if you're interested in doing that. I know he still has his fans, but if I still have him on a roster and I do in a couple of spots. I'm going to use this spot this 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 time to get out. He's still young, you know, maybe I can go back, maybe he's jumped up to that late first value again and I can go ahead and get out. In fact, try trades just prior to week 4 before this performance, he went for uh Duke Johnson 22021st and 22023rds, which I would take that side of the deal all day. Leonard Fournette and a 2022nd for Travis Kelsey. I'll take Kelsey there. Ridley and a 2022nd for Fournette. Give me Ridley in the pick. Uh, and then DJ Moore, Dawson Knox, the guy we just talked about, and a 2023rd for Leonard Fournette. I'll take the package there as well. So all those kind of deals are still out there, and that was before this big performance. So now I think is is really the chance to go out because this is clearly his biggest game of the season, right? I mean, maybe he has a multiple touchdown game that scores more in terms of fantasy points, but in terms of yardage and things, I think this is it for him uh, in, in in terms of his value spike for 2019. So go out and sell him if you can. I would take any basically any first, I think, at this point for him. Uh, and I think you can probably get that based of what he was going for before week four. All right, Matt, for the first time this year, we're going to be able to talk about the Sunday night football game since we're recording on Monday night, Dallas Cowboys. New Orleans Saints lost a lot of the luster without Drew Brees, but was an entertaining game despite being a very low-scoring game. The Saints came out on top 12-10, to both teams 3-1 and right now. There was a few different ways you could go in this game, but I'm going to highlight a guy that had four carries for just 14 yards, one catch for six yards. That's Latavius Murray. Been a disappointment, a real big disappointment since the Breeze injury. I know in redraft leagues out there, he's been dropped in many leagues because he's pretty much useless outside of Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. There's not a lot of value on that roster. I'm going to call Murray a buy, however. A lot of us were excited about his RB2 slash RB3 potential in 2019, a guy that we could use in our rosters those days are still to come with Latavius Murray, but we have to wait for Drew Brees to get back. There's been reports out of New Orleans that Brees is seeking a quicker return than maybe that timetable suggested. All of us that watched Sunday Night Football saw him on the sidelines flexing that thumb. Uh, there's been reports that he's been able to loosely grip a football. Of course, the Saints are going to wait until he is healthy enough to take a hit with that uh, thumb injury, be able to grip that ball tight and, and make good throws down the field. Once Drew Brees is back, Latavius Murray is a flex player for you. If you can get him for cheap because of his age and because of his lack of production so far in 2019, it could pay dividends down the stretch throughout this regular season and into our fantasy playoffs. I, I got to put you to task there a little bit. Like what what's cheap? Like a third? Yeah, if you can get him for a third, I, okay. I'm buying for a third. All right, all right, that's fine. I guess I I I think I'm kind of out, but if 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 you can buy him for a third, I, I'm okay with that. If if it costs you a second, I'm selling all day for that. Any any second, two point twelve. Give me the give me the pick. Yeah, I'd rather have the, have a second than Latavius Murray. But if I'm looking for that guy to 
fill in during the late bye weeks or maybe a guy that can outperform what he's done in the first half of the season. I think Murray's a guy worth thinking about. And honestly, it, it doesn't feel like a Latavius Murray at this point, uh, his owner, is going to be asking for much more than a third. Um, maybe even at two-thirds, I'd be willing if if it was the right circumstance, the right team, and I needed that guy late in the season and I wanted to bet on something, make an addition without giving up too much. Outside of that, you're right, Matt. I'm not giving up a second-round pick. Anything else to add this week, Matt? I have I have one bonus, a bye-week bonus. Uh, Chris Herndon, he's, he has one more game out on that, that uh, suspension. Uh, but if you add him this week while he was on bye, then you'll have him and you won't have to fight anybody on the waiver wire in week five next week. So if he's still out there somehow on a waiver wire in a deeper league, someone dropped him uh, uh, for a waiver wire flavor of the week. Uh, yet this early this earlier this season, go ahead and add him. And if you have to buy him, I guess I probably it's probably a tough buy. Some people aren't going to sell him for a third probably, but if you can get him for a third and you need an upside tight end, maybe that's the way to go. Darnold will be back at some point this season. We hope uh, he's got he's got mono. Uh, it's been, I think the, the initial uh, uh, prognosis was about four weeks, and we're about to hit that. So he may not be back this week, but he might come back the same week as Herndon. So if you can go out and get Herndon cheaply or off the waiver wire, go ahead and do that. You know, Chris Herndon. It's a it's a good reason to talk about it, Matt. Chris Herndon is the reason that I don't like, or or players like Chris Herndon are the reason that I don't like suspended players being able to be on injured reserve. Because in in leagues where they can go on IR, it's an easy decision. But in leagues where you can't put those players that are suspended on injured reserve, it makes it difficult once bye weeks come and maybe somebody cuts Herndon loose because they need the roster spot. Most likely you're in a deep enough league that you can hold on to Herndon. But, you know, just food for thought, I guess. I don't like suspended players going on IR. They're not... They're not injured. They're suspended for a reason. With that, we're at a wrap on this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Once again, next week, we will have our trusted leader, Ryan McDowell, with us. And we will be recording on Sunday night once again. So we should be out by Monday night. Thanks again for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. For Matt, I'm Dan. We'll catch you again next week. Write it down. Your voice is messed up tonight, dude. <laughs>